Welcome to the Mindful Dating Podcast, where it's all about helping you find healthy, lasting love without losing yourself in the process. Get clear on what you need most from a partner, develop a dating and relationship strategy that works for you, and practice self-leadership in all your relationships. Join your host, Dr. Yael Dubin, on her mission to discover how you can lead from your most authentic, courageous self and create a lifetime of joy and abundance. Hello, everyone. It is just hours before Passover begins here on the West Coast. I'm on Pacific time now, so even though I'm technically in mountain zone, it's Pacific time. And right after Passover, we just go screaming right into Shabbat or quietly into Shabbat as the case may be. And then um, some of my clients will be celebrating Easter. So it's a busy next few days for a lot of us. And um, I wanted to share something today, partly because I wrote a blog about it. And a client of mine brought it up yesterday as something that was like super well-timed within her life. And I wanted, I know a lot of you are not on my mailing list, so you don't necessarily get my blog, but I wanted to be able to share this with all of you live so that if it resonated with you, you had an opportunity to hear it. And this may just be perfectly timed for you like it was for my client yesterday. And I wanted to talk about a couple of things related to Passover and the Passover theme and what we can learn from the experience of um, of like oppression in Egypt from the, the departure from Egypt, from the years in the wilderness, and maybe not so much the promised land. Maybe we're just going to say promised land, shmamas land for now, that, we, that we're not going to deal with that part of the story now. Today, we're going to deal with the hurried departure from Egypt and then what it meant when the Israelites were finally free and how they encountered all of that and what we can learn about it for, for our own lives. And I, I want to start by saying um, that the Passover story is super meaningful for me for a variety of reasons. And the first reason is that I'm adopted and it did not escape my notice that so was Moshe. Moses was adopted. His mom said, hey, you deserve a better life. And if you stay here, you won't have one. They'll kill you. So I'm going to put you in this little basket and hope for the best. And off, off you go. And he was adopted into Pharaoh's home. And that was a really important part of the story for me being an adoptee and i am a jew by choice and i chose my conversion date to be just a few days before passover began because passover was so important for me because it's a seminal holiday for the jewish people as a whole and to sort of really acknowledge that i'm adopting a jewish life and that i am being adopted into the jewish people so this, this holiday means a lot to me, and there are many layers of resonances for me. But I think one of the first things I want to say, and I'm going to come back to this point again, but the fact that Moses is adopted means that Mitzrayim, or Egypt, is not his home. And that's a really important thing, because I'm going to come back to this, and I'll, I guess we'll dwell on it. But Egypt, in Hebrew, is Mitzrayim. And Mitzrayim means the narrow places, the narrows, the narrow straits. You find yourself in narrow straits, and that's Egypt. And what it means to say that that was not Moses or Moshe's home is that Moshe, that that's not home. That wasn't the Israelites' home. It is not home. You don't belong there. It's not really your place of belonging. And so if we look at this as sort of a metaphor, then the question becomes, what is your narrow place? So what is that place where you feel a little bit 
oppressed, where you feel a little bit dull and lifeless, where you feel that your true self or your true meaning and purpose in the world don't really get to come to the forefront. What is that place where you feel separated from all that is holy, from the source of life, from God, Hashem, Paul, Joanna, whatever you want to call it? Where is your place where you feel that disconnection? Are you in a place like that? And in my blog that I wrote, and I'm going to go ahead and pop a link down when we're done, but in my blog that I wrote, I talked a lot about how people have a little bit of that experience of Mitzrayim and relationships that they have. And what I want to talk about today also is jobs, how you can have this sort of experience in a profession as well. And what that can look like in a relationship in particular is really feeling like you're disconnected, feeling a little bit grayed over and dull, feeling that you don't really connect to your partner, feeling that you're not quite living your true purpose, um, and feeling a lot of relationship dissatisfactions, knowing that you're playing small, maybe finding yourself in a relationship with a narcissist who doesn't see you, who kind of sucks the life out of you and thinks that everything you do, be and are, should be for their benefit. Um, a lot of people, for them, their Mitzrayim is getting into in relationships with addicts of one sort or another, um, reliving old and unhelpful and painful attachment patterns. Or even for a, a lot of people, especially these days, it seems, just giving up on relationships altogether because these other Mitzrayims aren't working. You imagine, oh, it's just relationships. I'm going to give up relationships and that's going to get me out of Mitzrayim. That's going to get me out of the narrow places. But then you find you're just in a different narrow space. You've just narrowed your life in a different way. You haven't narrowed it by playing small or people pleasing or getting involved with an addict or a narcissist. You've just narrowed it by deciding not to have a close relationship. So those are the narrow places. And professionally, this can look like being in a dead end job. You are, are going nowhere. There's no advancement potential. Or you have like low or stagnant wages, but they just keep piling on more work. You're overworked. You're asking for help and support, and there's no response to that. You're not going to get the support that you need to get your job done at that workplace. Or even worse, you feel like your job is at odds with your values or your purpose in life. Um, or your job, like you're so undercompensated for the work you're doing that you feel devalued by your job. You feel like this is like horrible. You don't feel that they appreciate you or want you there or that they recognize what you truly have to offer. And that makes you feel like you're playing small and you're a little bit grayed over and disconnected. And so that's what Mitzrayim can look like in relationships and professions. And it feels similar, right? Because we're in relationships with everything. We're in relationship with other people. We're in relationships with our innermost self. We're in relationship with our career and our profession. And we're in relationships really with the planet as a whole. And that's a whole other conversation on Mitzrayim or our narrow place as a species and the narrow place we're creating for ourselves ecologically. And I'm going to put a pin in that. And anyone who wants to talk about that more, just drop me a little comment there and we'll get a little conversation going. Um, but what I want to say about this is like, the Israelites were complaining, they were complaining and they got louder and louder in their complaints. And eventually the source of life heard them and said, cool, you want out? I'll help you get out. And Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. The status quo does not want to be disrupted. <laughs> Pharaoh doesn't want to let them go. And to some degree, they didn't really want to trust Moshe. Moshe said, hey, there's something better out there for us. Let's head out. And they're like, mm, I don't know. And Moshe said right away, they're not going to believe me. Whoever this is talking to me, I need to see your face. I need, I need, who am I going to say sent me? What's your name? 
they won't believe me. And he knew that the people who needed this message the most, the people who were oppressed, the people who deserved freedom and needed to leave their situation wouldn't hear him. And it was really hard for them to hear him. And so like 10 different plagues and miracles were performed, not only to get the Egyptians to agree to let Moshe take everyone away, but also to get everyone to follow Moshe. And so they do. They like hurry up. That's why we eat the matzah. They didn't have time to let their bread rise, pack everything up and run away. Go out. They are in the desert. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Wait a second. All we have to eat is this. What is this? What is this that we have? No, I don't want this. I don't want manna from heaven. I want I want meat. I miss my flesh pots. I miss, I miss having meat for dinner. I don't want this manna stuff all the time. And you know, we had a comfortable bed. Why are we here in the desert? Did you just bring us here to kill us? And they just complain the whole time they're in the wilderness because freedom is scary and nobody takes care of your material comforts but you. And then the source of life will take care of some of them. But you also have to be a participant in that. And it can be the same way when you change relationship patterns, when you leave a toxic relationship, or when you leave a job that just isn't right for you, that isn't actually fulfilling your life purpose. You have a different life purpose, and this job isn't filling it. It's a step on the way, but it isn't the fullness that your soul and your heart really crave. When you leave that situation, there can be a moment of, oh shit, what did I just do? I just left that. Oh wait, I'm starting new relationship patterns. I don't know if I have the new ones down yet. I'm in a little bit of a wilderness. Like I knew how to do Mitzrayim. I had that down. I got that. Now I have this whole new thing and what? Um, I don't think so. So it can be really scary. But what it requires and what it means to leave Mitzrayim and to leave Egypt, to leave your own personal place of stagnation, is it means that you have to let go of your ego attachment, your ego attachment to the status quo. You have to let go of your ego attachment of thinking that you can control the outcome by going with the status quo. You have to let go of your ego attachment of thinking that you can ever please another person so much that they're going to change who they are and how they relate, that you are going to be so pleasing that you're going to get an addict or a narcissist to give up a pathology. Like that's a pathology. It's got nothing to do with you. You have to let go of that thought. You have to let go of your ego attachment to saying, I can do all this by myself. I can handle the desert all alone because you can't. You're just finding another Mitzrayim for yourself. To let go of that, be with this crowd of people that is seeking liberation, that is seeking freedom, that is seeking a new way that is less oppressive than the old way. And be open to this wilderness experience that's a little bit scary. It's a little bit new. You don't exactly know everything here. Um, so you're you're free then in the desert. And what you realize when you get that is that all of the stuff in Mitzrayim, the ways that you went along with that, the, the your part of those toxic patterns, your part of the people pleasing, your part of staying in toxic relationships, your role in cutting off relationship possibility altogether, your role in continuing to stay in an oppressive work situation or getting into work situations that don't serve you, your role was that you wanted security of some sort. You wanted a promise and a guaranteed outcome. And that job, that person, that system promised you security. And it's a false promise. And what the plagues taught the 
Egyptians and the ancient Israelites alike is that there is no human power structure that can guarantee an outcome. That natural systems are bigger than humans. The force of life, the forces of nature, and you know, if it really offends you to that I'm not going to use God language for this, that's okay. If it offends you that I do use God language for this, that's okay. I'm not sure what we're talking about. But when we talk about God, I think we're talking about something bigger than words. And whatever that is, and when we talk about the universe, by the way, it's definitely bigger than words. Um, whatever that flow and force of life is, it is beyond our control. And life is a little bit uncertain and a little bit risky. A really full, vibrant life is a little bit risky. And also a little bit secure life is a little bit deadening and not so secure. And so when you're out there in the desert and you recognize, oh, actually that was just a false pro that was a false promise of security. No human system, no human being can really make life secure for me. Actually, I'm out here in this slight wilderness. I'm a little bit scared, but I'm also a little bit exhilarated and come to think of it. I know there's something bigger, something more out there. I would love to be in contact with it. And so then what the Egypt, what the ancient Israelites did when they left Egypt, they had all of these skills and talents that they had used in their roles as slaves. They had become craftsmen. They knew how to, how to spin yarn, how to weave it, how to build things. And they retooled all of those things. And it says in Torah, when the Israelites built the Mishkan, which is the meeting tent, the tent of meeting with the divine, when they built the Mishkan, all whose hearts were moved to do so gave. They all contributed what they had from their hearts. It was no longer like a labor of fear, fear of punishment, fear of loss, fear of retribution. It was a labor of love. It was a giving from the heart. They contributed their skills. They contributed their goods from this love, and they created a mishkan or a tent of meeting within which they could contact the divine. This was where they went. This was the space. This was the place where they met with Hashem. It was where Hashem came and spoke to them. That's where Moshe sat and communicated to the divine. And when you let go of the things that no longer serve you and you open up to this more direct communication with the something more and you accept that your heart wasn't satisfied there and your heart needs something more and it wants that direct connection, the new things that you start to create, when you are motivated and inspired by love to have that more divine connection, you can create a mishkan or structures for your life that allow you to feel that sense of purpose, that, that sense of attunement with the something more, with God, with Hashem, with life, with the universe you can begin to feel that closeness and connection with that within that space in a way that you couldn't feel it when you were compromising and compromised to stay in your mish in your Mitzrayim. So from Mitzrayim, the place of narrowest, to Mishkan, the place of connection. And these are some parallels that we can see in relationships and professionally and what it can look like when you're in the desert and you're creating your Mishkan is maybe like the best relationship you've ever had in your life where you can be truly yourself and truly seen by somebody who knows you, sees you and loves you for all that you are, who can hold space for you on bad days and good days and is committed to being a partnership with you. When you have it in your profession, it can look like working in a workplace where you're appreciated, where your boundaries are respected, where you're compensated fairly, 
where people treat you like a person, where your skills and talents are valued and welcomed. And there's a commitment there to creating less oppressive structures and less oppressive conditions, more support, more connection. Um, so th those are the things that that I think about in terms of parallels between this, you know, exodus from Mitzrayim, from the narrow place, and moving into this wilderness condition or this place where you have a mishkan, where you can really pretty directly and immediately contact the source and um, and be in communion with other people who also are like kind of fleeing that oppressive system. Um, and I don't, I, I it would just totally be remiss if I didn't like at least mention or pay homage to the fact that the Exodus narrative has really influenced various political movements and anti-oppressive movements really throughout history. Ever since it's been told, people have really like homed in on this freedom from oppression theme and motif. And it's super paradoxical, I think, that this motivation, this, this theme motivated to some degree the American Revolution at a time when slavery was a thing that was happening. So like how you don't, how you miss that, I don't know. Um, but people miss that. And it also inspired the civil rights movement. And, and why is that? And how do we start to look at that differently? So if we were sort of bring this in for a second, I'd like to just quote Michael Walzer because I just love this. It's beautiful. Um, and it's, it's true of the political systems and structures. It's probably true a little bit of every workplace that we ever have. And it's probably true of our own mindsets. First, wherever you live, it is probably Egypt. Second, there is a better place, a world more attractive, a promised land. And third, the way to that land is through the wilderness. There's no way to get from here to there except by joining together and marching. Um, I'm wishing all of you who observe Pesach, Pesach Sameach, happy Easter to all of those of you who observe that. Um, I, I will be offline definitely all day tomorrow, maybe on briefly on Friday and then back again on Sunday. So um, in the meantime, all of you be well and think about what Mitzrayim you'd like to leave behind and what it will take to you for you to have the courage to face the wilderness and who you would like marching beside you. Be well. Thank you for listening to Mindful Dating with your host, Dr. Yael Dubin. If you're ready to shake up your dating routine and transform your approach to relationships, go to BechiraCoaching.com where you can sign up for our newsletter, pick up your free digital copy of Five Keys to Finding Lasting Love, and even schedule a free call with Yael now. Bechira Coaching is on Facebook and Instagram. Stay up to date with our programs, literature, and watch live sessions with Dr. Dubin. Links will be included in the show notes. Tune in next week when we'll share more about how you can find lasting love without losing yourself in the process.